Welcome in everyone to episode five of the Double Move Sports Fantasy Football Podcast and regular football podcast. We're coming into week 13. As always, I'm here with Alex. Hello everyone. It's great to be back. This is episode five for Double Move. In fantasy football, we're pushing towards the playoffs. And in, in NFL football, these next couple weeks are going to create some really defining moments for a lot of different teams. We got it all for you on today's show. We're going to start out with some fantasy takes, and we're going to end up with some NFL takes. Absolutely. I'm so pumped up for what we have here for you guys. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DoubleMoveSport. No S on that one on Twitter. And then on Instagram at DoubleMoveSports. We put a lot of uh, extra takes out there. We were doing some polls this morning, some start-sit decisions. Uh, and Let us know if you have any advice. You can always DM us or at us on Twitter or any of the platforms for more questions. Also, go check out our Will Fuller Fantasy Film Room that Alex just did. It was a great breakdown talking about some of his outlook for the rest of the 2019 season. And without further ado, Alex, I think we can just jump right into it here. Well, first, let me say this. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Hopefully, everyone's will be full of turkey and a lot of football and some fantasy football wins. Um, it's, you know, we got a lot going on in this upcoming weekend, a lot of games. So make sure you check your lineups and guys that are playing on Thursday, call them out and make sure they're in the right spot. So with that said, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Let's get into our bounce back players of the week. First segment we'll go through and... I have one that I think most people can agree with, so it's not really a hot take. But for me, it's it's Dak Prescott. He's coming off a rough weather game on the road against New England, and this week he's at home against the Bills on Thanksgiving, and I expect the Cowboys to win this one. Dak is a QB3 on the year. He's been playing great, looking for that new contract, and I expect him to be able to move the ball on the Bills. Even though they've been a solid defense, I think Dak has a safe floor here of about 200 yards and, and one or two touchdowns. So he's a nice little built-in floor there. I think you can start Dak again with confidence, either you know, with or without Amari Cooper back. Uh, I think Dak should be completely fine. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dak's a fine play this week. The Bills are actually third in the NFL against quarterbacks. So I wouldn't expect him to pop off for a top five quarterback finish this week. I think he's a safe QB1 play, uh, so landing in the top 12. Um, and I mean, he had 6.9 points last week against New England. New England obviously has been incredible against all positions this year. So I think there's a bounce back in store. I would just temper expectations, but yes, you're fine to start him this week for sure. Awesome. Alex, give me one of your bounce back players for week 13. Yeah. My first bounce back player is Todd Gurley. Two weeks ago against Chicago, he had 25 carries which is the usage of 2018 Todd Gurley that we all know and love and led a lot of people to championships. So he had 20 fantasy points in that game. This this past week, he played Baltimore and followed up that big week with a 4.9-point performance in PPR formats, and that was on only six carries. And I think this was an anomaly of a game for Todd Gurley and the trend that we're going to see moving forward. He got game scripted out of that game really early. Baltimore dominated in the Rams' had to resort to passing the ball for most of the rest of the game, and they didn't even have success doing that. So this week they get Arizona, who is weak against all positions, and they're actually 24th against running backs. So he should get a big workload. I expect 20 to 25 touches for Todd Gurley. And against a weak Arizona defense, I think he finds the end zone, and he's going to get back to that uh, top 15 running back um, level this week. Yeah, and with the Rams defense not looking like the Rams defense of old, I think Arizona should be able to move the ball on them. Um, and if things get dicey like it has 
with the Cardinals against the 49ers, for example, I think Gurley will get a lot of usage through the air as well. So my second bounce back player of the week is Jamison Crowder. He's a guy we told a lot of people uh, on Twitter last weekend, and there's a video on YouTube. It's pretty interesting. Go check it out. We, we go through some of the questions, start, sit decisions um, from the community and go through, you know, which of those calls we got right, which ones we got wrong. It's pretty interesting there. But Jamison Crowder was one that I was recommending everywhere we could. Uh, before week 12, he was averaging 6.4 receptions per game and 70 yards per game with Sam Darnold. And they have a super soft matchup against Cincinnati this week. They should be able to hang in with the Jets a little bit more now that Andy Dalton's in that backfield. Um, and the Jets and Raiders game, it, it was just bizarre. I, I throw it out. I'm not going to you know, keep this one uh, in my analytics, really. It was surprising to see Crowder not even involved when, when the Jets won 34-3. So I expect a strong bounce-back game this week. And I think Crowder's a fringe wide receiver, too, with some upside. You know, He had three touchdowns in a row um, before this, this Week 12 game. So I think he's going to get back to that. Yeah, Steph, I think that's a great call. And I was listening back to last week's pod after the games had concluded on Sunday. And when you were talking about Crowder as your start of the week, you pretty much called that the Jets were going to upset the Raiders. And you were absolutely right on the game. And you would think coming with that would be a big game for Crowder, especially with how well he's played while the Jets are struggling. And it just didn't quite go his way. I think Crowder is a guy who you can continue to trust moving forward and you can plug into a wide receiver two or a flex spot and feel really solid. So for my next bounce back player, I'm going to keep it with the LA Rams. Oh. And I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. Cup is wide receiver nine on the year, but over his past three games in PPR formats, he has scored zero, eight, and nine. So you have gotten absolutely burned by Cooper Cup in the last three weeks, and now owners are wondering, is he a guy that's a locked-in starter every week, or does he need to be benched? And we talked about him a little on the pod last week, and we really didn't like his matchup too much against the Ravens. Um, he did come out with nine points on, t- on uh, 10 targets in that game. So he was targeted a lot. They were playing from behind for the majority of the game. But the Rams as a whole have struggled. Their offensive line has been bad. Um, but looking forward to this week, I have him as a bounce back because, like I said with Todd Gurley, the Rams are playing the Arizona Cardinals, who are terrible against all positions in fantasy football. They're 26th against wide receivers. Brandon Cooks is back. Robert Woods is back. I think those two guys are really going to open the field up a lot for Cup. We saw Cup have a lot of success when Cooks and Woods were on the outside. He was running in the slot and not getting a lot of attention from number one corners and number one defenders. So there's a 47.5 point over-under in this game. I think Gurley's going to bounce back. I think Cup's going to bounce back. Um, Plug them in your lineups with confidence, especially in PPR formats. I think the Rams are going to get back on track this week. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that take. There should be a lot of, of uh, opportunity underneath for a cup to excel. Now let's move into starts of the week. I think we got a locked and loaded set of takes coming up here. We're going to go QB, RB, wide receiver, tight end, and go through guys that we think are locked and loaded starts, guys that you may be on the edge about. This isn't going to be our you know hot takes or our deep shots here, but these are guys that you know maybe fantasy owners are tilting a little bit and need just that that little confirmation that they're okay to start. And my first one at quarterback, I'm going back to the well again, just like you did with Derek Carr, except this time I'm doing it with Baker Mayfield. I'm taking the homer pick, and you know that may not be a very hot take at all. The way Baker's played over the last three weeks, 
Uh, but Pittsburgh is eighth against the quarterback. You know, that's kind of a scary matchup. And, you know, we know how these these Steelers versus Browns games go. Um, but I think you can start Baker with confidence. Last time the Browns played the Steelers in week 11, Baker had three touchdowns, which and uh, one of those was on the ground. And he hasn't really had a bad week, you know, less than 17 fantasy points since they played New England. And in that stretch, that includes Buffalo, Denver, and Pittsburgh. So, you know, the Browns looks much better. Uh, the Browns looked much better last week, and so I feel comfortable firing up Baker. Um, I think think the Browns will win this game, and I feel pretty confident in them. I kind of got to see it to believe it. Um, just with that Steelers matchup, it's in Pittsburgh. It's going to be tough, but he's been hot as of late, and it looks like the Browns are getting on track. So, Steph, I got a, a question to ask you: Would you rather start Baker Mayfield at Pittsburgh? Or your bounce back player of the week, Dak Prescott against the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, interesting. So, man, I think both of those guys have kind of capped upside. I'm then going to look at who has the safer floor. Now, I think Dak does have the safer floor uh, against the Bills. They both have tough matchups, but Dak is at home. It's a Thanksgiving game. I think the Cowboys uh, have some momentum. They're they're number one in their division, and they need to fight to hold on to that. So, I'm going to say Dak on this one. Uh, I don't feel thrilled about that answer, but I'll go with Dak. Got it. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think Dak and Baker, for me, are, are both in that QB 10 to 12 range. Uh, I think they do have some capped upside this week, but I would probably choose them over any guys that you're going to con- consider streaming straight off the waiver wire. So bold pick there. Back to the well with Baker. Um, I went back to the well last week with Derek Carr, Oof. and it didn't work out too well for me during week two. So Don't we'll start see. Baker. Don't so, start Baker. <laughs> so we'll see if you can string together back-to-back uh, plays out of Baker uh, and get some good performances. So my quarterback is a lot more of a hot take. I, I feel like this is the L.A. Rams episode for me because I've talked about Gurley. I've talked about Cooper Cup. And unfortunately, my start of the week at quarterback is Jared Goff. Oh, It doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. He's quarterback 22 on the year. But the Cardinals, again, are just too good of a matchup to pass up players in this Sean McVay offense. I know it's tough to trust them from what we've seen, but this matchup is juicy. The Cardinals are 32nd, dead last in the NFL against quarterbacks in fantasy. They're giving up 25 points per game to quarterbacks in fantasy this year. 25 points per game. Their last three... Um, games for the Rams have been the the Steelers, the Bears, and the Ravens. So you've kind of got a sour taste in your mouth with Jared Goff, but he's had three incredibly tough matchups. And for elite quarterbacks, you know you expect a good a good performance every week. But uh, but Jared Goff, quite frankly, is not an elite quarterback. He's very matchup dependent. He's had some success against good matchups this year. He had 23 fantasy points against the Bengals, 25 against the Falcons, and 22 against the Bucks. So with his weapons back, with with Brandon Cooks back from his concussion, with Robert Woods back from his personal issue, uh, with Cooper Cup, and with Todd Gurley in this great matchup, I've got Jared Goff as my start of the week. And if he's a guy that's burned you, I mean, it hurts to potentially get burned one more time, but I don't think it's going to happen this week. And I think you can get a really solid play out of him. Yeah, I love that matchup. It's one of the most uh, fantasy valuable games this week. Don't mind that call there at all, even though it does kind of sound gross to say Jared Goff is your start, is your start of the week. Now, moving on to running back, I'll put the ball in your court first, Alex, <laughs> as you're over there sipping on a uh, seltzer water. Who is your running back start of the week? Yeah, my running back is Miles Sanders. We had some pretty high expectations for him last week after Jordan Howard missed that game. Jay Ajayi was the only other running back sharing work with him, and Miles Sanders disappointed. He did come down with 11 
PPR fantasy points. He was able to get some catches. He actually had around 80 total yards. So he didn't kill you, but we expected a little bit more. But this week he plays the Miami Dolphins, who are 26th against running backs. They're giving up 27 fantasy points per game to running backs this season. And Miles Sanders, it looks like Jordan Howard's going to miss again because of his stinger. So Miles Sanders should get all the work in this backfield. Ajayi did get six carries last week, so he might come in to spell him on a drive or two. But this is going to be Miles Sanders' backfield to own. And he has 29 receptions on the year, so he's fairly involved in the receiving game. He's been getting 10 to 15 carries per game. Uh, And the Eagles are are missing Alshon Jeffrey, who's been banged up. Nelson Aguilar has missed time. So I think they're going to rely on Miles Sanders in this one. And in a juicy matchup against Miami, I think he's an extremely safe play at running back. Yeah, and Carson Wentz, I think, has a bruised hand. He's coming off a really rough game against Seattle as well. So, yeah, I love that Miles Sanders pick. I think they're going to need to use him in this game. And, you know, the Fitz magic is out there. Who knows? Maybe they they start off a little bit slow, need to climb their way back. Uh, I think Miles Sanders could, could get a lot of receptions as well. So my running back start of the week is Jonathan Williams for the Colts. He's against the Tennessee Titans uh, at home, and the Titans are 21st against the run. Last week, the Colts gave Williams 26 carries and three receptions against the Houston Texans. And regardless of the game script, I think Jonathan Williams, you know, they've they've shown a commitment to the run and they're going to use him. He's going to get so much volume and whether he's effective or not, I think you can trust him. He's he's taking that Marlon Mack role um, and he's done fine with it. He's gotten over 100 yards on the ground the last two weeks against Jacksonville uh, and the Texans. And I expected to do him to do it here again uh, against the other team they need to play in their division. So uh, Jonathan Williams is kind of running through uh, that AFC South. I expect him to do it again here and keep that streak alive with another 100 yards. I think he has a safe floor and could fall into the end zone a few times. Great pick there, Steph. If you picked up Jonathan Williams on waivers last week, you were obviously very pleased that he ended up being the back to own in Indy. It looked like he has really established himself as the guy that they want to get going over Jordan Wilkins. Um, so, yeah, I like the pick. He's he's gotten a lot of volume, and he's clearly a talented back. So uh, you can definitely plug him in with confidence this week. Moving on to the wide receiver spot, I'll go ahead and get us started. And my start of the week is Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons. He's wide receiver 18 on the year, but he's been extremely hot as of late. Since the Atlanta Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu to the New England Patriots, Calvin Ridley has three games for 17 catches on 27 targets, 256 yards, and two touchdowns. So he's getting nine targets a game since that Sanu trade, and he's turning it into a lot of production. That's 19.3 fantasy points per game in PPR formats since Sanu has been traded. And we know Hooper has been banged up as well, which has definitely um, continued to drive passing volume Ridley's way. But Hooper has already been ruled out for Thursday's game against the New Orleans Saints, who are 21st against the wide receiver. So I think again this week, you're going to see a lot of Calvin Ridley. And Julio Jones is a game-time decision for that game. I expect him to give it a go. It seems like Julio Jones always is missing practice, has some ailments here and there, um, but gives it a go on game day. But even with Julio banged up, maybe they use him as a decoy. If, if Marshawn Lattimore comes back this week, maybe um, they take him out of the picture and really feature Calvin Ridley. So I have high expectations for Ridley this week, and I think he'll finish as a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah, if nothing else, I think Ridley does have a really safe floor. Um, we saw the Panthers be able to air it out last week, which brings me to my wide receiver start of the week, 
which is DJ Moore. I'm actually working on a fantasy film room video for him right now. I'm really excited about it. He's actually starting to become one of my favorite players or you know new breakout guys in this league. And prior to week 12, he was the wide receiver 17 on the year. After that game uh, against New Orleans, where he had six receptions for 126 and two touchdowns, uh, now he's the wide receiver 11 on the year. He's a player that honestly hasn't been talked about that much until, until pretty recently. Uh, he's been thrown to by a backup quarterback, and his production has still been very solid. You know, He averages over six receptions and 82 yards a game and 13.3 yards per reception. Uh, he has 9.4 targets per game, which is seventh most in the NFL amongst all players. So that includes running backs as well this season. And his average points per game right now uh, is 16.2. So pretty safe floor. I think he's a guy you can keep starting. I don't expect him to have two touchdowns every week uh, like he did against New Orleans. But against you know, the Washington Redskins, who were middle of the pack against the pass, I, I expect the Panthers to be, be able to, to put the smackdown on them at home. You know, so DJ Moore, lock him in. I think he'll be a great start this week. That's a great pick. DJ Moore has really been through a lot this year, and people don't realize how young he is. He's only 22 years old. So this is a guy in his second season, 22-year-old kid who – had his veteran starting quarterback go down uh, early in the season. And with the backup, he's putting up unbelievable numbers. And Kyle Allen has played well, but I think the sky's the limit for DJ Moore for the rest of the season and for his career. He's a very, very promising um, young talent. So I like that pick a lot. Moving forward to the tight end position, Steph, I'll let you kick this one off. Who do you got? Yeah, so we don't need to beat a dead horse and talk anymore about how terrible the tight end landscape is. These are going to be gross picks. Just get ready. But, but mine is Ryan Griffin for the New York Jets. Uh, this is another one, just like I said, with Jamison Crowder, you know, who's going to have a bounce back game. I think Ryan Griffin will be fine against the Bengals as well, even though they are 15th against the tight end. I'm really not going to put too much stock in that number. The, the Bengals have been terrible all year, especially on defense. And Ryan Griffin's showing that he's ingrained in this Jets offense. He just got a contract extension. And, you know, while being ingrained in the Jets offense doesn't mean much, uh, he's been getting some valuable receptions with two touchdowns over his last eight receptions. The Jets offense should be able to score here against the Bengals. I think one of them could easily go to Ryan Griffin. So I like his, his touchdown opportunity. Yeah, I, I think Darnold will have a great game this week. I love everybody on the Jets, honestly, in terms of fantasy. Um, so I think, you know, one of those is Ryan Griffin. What do you think, Alex? I think that's a really good pick. If you picked up Ryan Griffin on waivers a couple weeks ago, then you're very happy. It's really tough at tight end to figure out which guys are going to stick and which ones are just a flash in the pan. But it seems like Ryan Griffin's a guy who's going to stick, and and they gave him that contract extension, so they clearly value him in that offense. Uh, it's not looking great for Chris Herndon. Yeah, I got rid of him. So I, I think it's a fine pick. If you picked him up off, up off waivers, I, I'm I'm very okay rolling him out over some of the other options. Uh, on the waiver wire. And then quick question for you, Alex. Asking for a friend, Mark Andrews this week against San Francisco. Would you start a guy like, you know, not not Ryan Griffin, but we'll throw him in the mix. You know, Griffin or a guy like Greg Olson or Jared Cook. Would you still start Mark, Mark Andrews against San Francisco? That's tough. I, I would, though. I would I would go with the, the more proven out guy and Mark Andrews with – what feels like a little more touchdown upside. Ryan Griffin is a great tight end who has touchdown upside, but Andrews is, I mean, Hollywood Brown's there, but it's kind of like a 1A, 1B as far as their their top passing options. So just because of that, I lean Andrews, but it's closer than it should be. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about, uh, uh, compare him to Griffin, what about Olsen or, or Jared Cook? 
Jared Cook's been really hot as of late. They got a good matchup against Atlanta. I think I would roll Jared Cook, but at this point, if you've had him for the past three weeks, you're not considering sitting him anyway. I, I think I would start Griffin over Olsen this week just because of how hot Griffin has been in the past few weeks. Olsen has had some pop games, but I think Griffin's upside is a little higher at this point. Olsen plays the Redskins, who like to run the ball. I could see that, you know, being a a real ground-and-pound game. And and your start of the week's DJ Moore, and obviously we know how good that matchup is for him. So I think if they're going to air it out, a lot of it's going to go Moore's way. You know McCaffrey's going to get his. So I worry about Olsen. Maybe he sneaks in for a touchdown. But, yeah, I think I'd go Ryan Griffin. That's that's probably where I'd draw the line. All right. Love that answer. Give me your tight end start of the week in Week 13. Yeah, my tight end start of the week doesn't feel quite as gross. It's Darren Waller. He's tight end five on the year. So I know a lot of people might be asking, oh, if you have Darren Waller, you know, that's like an auto start. But I mean, honestly, it's not an auto start. Over his past five games, he's averaging just eight PPR fantasy points a game. He started out hot, but as of late, you might have picked up some guys off waivers that you're considering starting over Darren Waller. These guys like you just talked about, like Ryan Griffin, um, Greg Olson, your uh, Johnu Smiths or your Gerald Everett's or guys like that that have, have had some pop games you might be considering. If you end up with one of those guys, if you've ended up with one of those guys over the past couple weeks because you're not satisfied in Waller's performance, this is a vote of confidence in Waller for the rest of the season, uh, especially this week. He's playing the Kansas City Chiefs this week. You know the Raiders are going to have to air it out. They had a tough game last week, but I think they bounced back. Um, the Chiefs are 28th against the tight end in fantasy. And Waller is going to have some vacant targets in that offense. Over the past five games when Waller has been struggling, he's still seen over five targets a game. But now Hunter Renfro, who really came on strong, RIP. is going to miss some time. And Renfro has been seeing over five targets a game during that same span. So there's five to six open targets in that offense. Renfro is an underneath guy. Waller is more of an underneath guy. Carr loves to check it down. He plays with uh, an extremely high completion percentage and really safe passes. So I think Waller is going to see two to three more targets per game. And in this matchup, I think he could see eight to 10 targets and have a really, really fine game and maybe even find the end zone. Great pick there. That wraps up our start to the week. Let's shift gears here and get into some of the guys that aren't as sure bets. This is always a fun segment. I think Alex and I get the most joy out of these picks. Um, my deep shot last week, uh, my, my two were Hunter Renfro and uh, Nelson Aguilar. Neither of those really panned out, but Renfro, I'll, I'll say that was the injury. I really wanted that one. Well, but- we got to say, Aguilar, we, we called it out. Aguilar is contingent on his health and Alshon's health. Turns out they both missed the game. So <laughs> if you started Aguilar, like you should have checked your lineup. And Renfro got hurt mid-game, so you can't really fault that. Um, if he was in the game, he would have gone off. Trust me. <laughs> and then on my side, I had Josh Gordon, which I also said was very contingent on Lockett's health. Lockett played, so hopefully he didn't roll out Gordon. Uh, but my, my number one guy was Russell Gage. And funny story, I actually was <laughs> I was in a desperation situation in the league that Steph and I are in, and I put in a waiver claim for Russell Gage. And I checked the next morning, and Steph had actually outbid me by $3. Yes. <laughs> Rolls out Russell Gage, and he has eight catches for 76 yards. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm using your own fantasy advice against you. I told you on the first podcast, anything you say on here can and will be used against you in fantasy football matchups. And Russell Gage, yeah, was a great pick. Ended up panning out, saved my flex spot. But let's get into these deep shots. And hopefully this time we're not as contingent on some injuries for these guys to pan out. 
And my first one shouldn't be contingent on injury. It's A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. Brown is up against the Indianapolis Colts on the road, uh, and they're 17th against wide receivers, so about middle of the road. Uh, But A.J. Brown, we've seen the upside. He's an absolute unit when you see him out there running on the field. He kind of has that like Derrick Henry kind of build where he just looks bigger than everybody else out there and doesn't look like he's running that quick, but he's making (laughs) insane progress down the field in a short period of time. Uh, Last week, he was, you know, four receptions for 135 yards and a touchdown against the Jaguars. I think he could repeat that again. We're seeing that Tannehill is really, really hot. Uh, Sorry, Marcus Mariota, if you're listening. And I could totally see the Colts, you know, getting an early lead in this game. The the Titans are kind of just up and down. We never really know what we're going to get week to week with them. They'll beat Kansas City and then they'll lose to Tampa Bay or something like that. So, uh, you know, I could see A.J. Brown having a huge week. I think if you're in a desperation mode, there's an injury. I think you can plug A.J. Brown in there if you really, really need some upside. Maybe you're on the edge needing some playoff points. Um, I think you could plug A.J. Brown in there. It's not guaranteed, but I think it could pay off. Yeah, I think that's a perfect deep shot if you are looking for upside. A.J. Brown could go out and get you two fantasy points, but he also could get you go out and get you 23 fantasy points like he did this past week. It's not the first time he's popped off this season, and being such a physical freak that he is and as athletic as he is, you know, there's always a chance that he could pop one for a touchdown, so I think that's a great call. Yeah, let me go through some of A.J. Brown's most recent fantasy performances. Uh, He had 23.5 points, and this is all PPR. uh, 23.5 against Jacksonville, 2.7 against Kansas City. That's one where you would have loved, you know, you'd think, oh, Kansas City, they're going to need to air it out. He'd have a great game. He didn't. Uh, At Carolina, he put up 12.1 in PPR. Tampa Bay, he put up nine. So there's certainly, you know, the matchup really doesn't dictate whether we should or shouldn't start him. But, you know, if you're desperate, plug him in there. Now, Alex, give me your first deep shot of week 13. All right. First, before I give you the name of my deep shot, I'm going to ask you a trick question because I know you're not going to know the answer. (laughs) It it doesn't really give you any clues at all. But what do Allen Robinson, Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyrell Williams all have in common? What is it? Over their past five games played, they have less fantasy points per game than Chris Conley, my deep wow. shot of the week. Chris Conley over his past <laughs> five games is averaging 56 yards a game. He's averaging 7.6 targets a game. He had nine targets last week and 11.9 fantasy points per game over his last five. That's more than Allen Robinson, who most people have locked and loaded as a wide receiver one or two at this point. Tyler Boyd, Juju, and Tyrell Williams, who people are considering in their flex or their wide receiver two week to week just because of name. So I don't know why Chris Conley is only 18% owned, but based on the numbers, you should be plugging him in. And then you look at their matchup this week, and they're playing Tampa Bay, who's 32nd against wide receivers in fantasy. So Chris Conley's probably on your waiver wire. He's absolutely tearing it up. Nick Foles is back. They have an electric matchup. I know Chris Conley isn't the household name, but like if he's out there and you need a guy this week, check him out. Yeah, I think he's kind of like uh, in that Hunter Renfro position where he just has a safe floor and the matchup's really juicy. Uh, against Tennessee, he had nine PPR fantasy points, had 12 against Indianapolis. So that's his last two weeks. He's been pretty safe, um, had some blow-up games, had 20 points against the Jets. I-, I think he has a safe floor in this game. I think you can plug him in, whether you, know, you just want a guy who's not going to kill you. I actually love Chris Conley this week. And one other thing to add, he, he's seeing a ton of targets. And 
with those, he's not necessarily turning those targets into receptions. He's only averaging about three and a half receptions over his past five games, and that's on over seven and a half targets. So the opportunity is coming his way, and I think if something goes right for him this week against Tampa Bay, he could absolutely blow up and give you a really good performance. So if Chris Conley's out there um, and you're really in a pinch, check him out. That That's a guy that I, I would roll out with confidence for sure. And I'm going back to Russell Gage, everyone. And I feel entitled to do this only because he is still only 4% owned. Wow. You know, we talked him up before last week. He had the breakout game. He's still only 4% owned. And Hooper's been ruled out again, like we talked about uh, when we were discussing Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones is a game-time decision. There's going to be points scored in this matchup with the New Orleans Saints. I, I mean, I feel fine rolling Russell Gage out in my flex. Even if I'm not in a desperation situation, like... I wouldn't really have a problem with it. There's a 48 and a half point over under in this game. He had 10 targets last week. We know the Saints are going to put up points and they're going to be passing a ton. I think Devontae Freeman will be back, but he might be on a bit of a pitch count. And I think they're going to be behind. So they're not going to establish much of a running game in this one. If Russell Gage is still out there, which he should be, if he's only 4% owned, go pick him up. If you're in a desperation situation, um, throw him out there. And for me personally, if we're going to rank our deep shots this week, at least my deep shots, I'd probably go Chris Conley number one because of the matchup and Russell Gage number two. What about you, Steph? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like both your deep shots. Definitely a lot more than mine. Um, yeah, I think Russell Gage, like I have Julio in one of my leagues, and so I have Russell Gage as kind of a handcuff almost uh, for Julio. And so I'll probably be starting him um, if Julio ends up missing. So yeah, I love that take there. I think Russell Gage, we even saw him be successful with Julio out there. So yeah, I think that's a good pick. Now let's transition to you know the week 13 game that we see with the most fantasy value. So this is a game where on both sides of the ball, there's going to be a lot of yardage, a lot of fantasy value, maybe some scoring opportunities as well. And I'll go first. Mine's kind of the low-hanging fruit here. It's the highest over-under uh, of week 13, and it's the Raiders at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites in this game, and the over-under is 51 and a half. So going to be very, very high scoring. Um, and I, I don't know what much more needs to be said about you know, the Chiefs. Of course, you have deep shot opportunity in McCall Hardman. And Tyreek Hill is supposed to be back. So if, you know, he's going to play. You plug him in. He's an auto start. And you know he's a guy who can win you your week. I, I think one area where it does get messy for the Chiefs is the running back situation. Keep your eyes on that. We're not sure if, if Damian Williams is going to play. Alex, do you have any updates by chance on Damian Williams? Well, they are coming off of their bye week last week, but Damien Williams did not practice today, which is Wednesday. Um, so it's definitely not a great sign for his status for Sunday's game. I would keep an eye out on the Thursday practice. If he's able, if he's unable to practice again on Thursday, I, I think he's definitely trending towards out. Yeah, and if he is out, I think you can fire up, uh, what is it, Daryl Williams, the other Williams in that backfield, I think he'll be fine as well. We saw uh, against the Chargers in Mexico City, he got a lot of usage. I think he's another guy you can plug in maybe as a flex if you're desperate uh, or you know kind of handcuffing Damian Williams there. But this is a game where both defenses are very weak against the pass. Uh, and I think on the Oakland side of the ball, there's a lot of value here as well. Uh, we mentioned you know Derek Carr, um, the Darren Waller start of the week, I think was a great one. Uh, the completion percentage from Derek Carr makes you know everybody kind of, of – 
gets an uptick in their amount of receptions. And I think Josh Jacobs will have a bounce back game as well. So I love everybody in this game. Totally expect the, the Chiefs to win this one. The Raiders have been historically bad against the Chiefs and they're on the road in this one. Uh, and Mahomes is back and firing in all cylinders. So fire up everybody in this game. Raiders should be coming down uh, from behind and, and dumping off a lot of targets through the air and to Josh Jacobs. So uh, this is my, my game, kind of low-hanging fruit here. Alex, what is your game with the most fantasy value in week 13? That's a great call on the Chiefs Raiders. That's going to be a really fun one to watch. There's also just a ton on the line in that division, which makes things, you know, 10 times more interesting. Yeah, the Raiders are only one game back from the Chiefs in that division. This is this could be an interesting game. I uh, still think the Chiefs are going to win it, though. Yeah, and like you said, Josh Jacobs would have been a great candidate for for our bounce back players of the week. Definitely an honorable mention there. Chiefs have the 32nd ranked defense. Jacobs should absolutely dominate. Uh, but my game with the most value, I've talked about this game a lot, and it's the Saints-Falcons on Thursday night to end your Thanksgiving the right way. I will be thankful to have any players in this game. Uh, on, on the Falcons side, I think you can go back to Matt Ryan this week, who's a start. We talked about Julio. Keep an eye out. If he's in, you're obviously starting him. Calvin Ridley should have a massive game. I think Russell Gage, like we just talked about, is definitely a guy you can flex. Devontae Freeman should be back. So... You know, on the Falcons side, there's all sorts of value. On the Saints side, the decisions aren't aren't as difficult here because most of the guys for the Saints are must-starts at this point. You're starting Breeze. You're starting Michael Thomas. You're starting Alvin Kamara. You're starting Jared Cook. If you're in a real deep pinch, maybe Latavius Murray is an option. He had a touchdown last week. But, but this is going to be a great game. It's a 48.5-point over-under. It's on Thanksgiving. It's in prime time. I'm excited to watch it. The Falcons have really been rejuvenated since their bye week. So I think they're going to come with some energy. The Saints have been giving up some points as of late, uh, ever since Marshawn Lattimore has been missing time. So if you've got players in this game, fire them up. It's going to be a fun one to watch um, here on Thursday. Yeah, and last time they played, we saw the Falcons come into New Orleans and absolutely give them the beatdown. So I think the Saints come into this game fired up, ready to kind of get the revenge here. Uh, so I, I love that pick. That's another great game. Uh, looking forward to the three games that we have on Thursday, which which brings me to a fun little segment I want to do here, Alex, which is let's go through the three games on Thanksgiving and just do a quick pick them. We don't need to go too deep into these, um, but give me who you think is going to win. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Bears at Lions. The Lions are three-point underdogs at home. Who are you taking there? I'm going to take the Bears in this one. I think the Bears win. I think the Bears cover. The Lions just had a pretty brutal loss to the Redskins. So <laughs> it's it's really tough to pick them right now. The Bears don't look too hot either, but the Lions defense has been struggling. I think this is a good opportunity for David Montgomery. I hate saying it because David Montgomery, we've expected him to bounce back just about yeah. every week, and he hasn't done it. You know, I, I I hope they get it going on the ground in this one. Trubisky, ever since I roasted him a few weeks ago, has actually not played terrible. Yeah, some of the uh, early season memes have kind of become irrelevant at this point. He, he's, he hasn't been terrible. Um, he still hasn't been great, but I, I don't know if that's Matt Nagy or maybe just, you know, him improving as the season goes on. But yeah, I'm with you. I think the Bears take this one. The next one here, uh, the Bills go down to Dallas and play the Cowboys, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I got the boys winning this one, but I think this one will be pretty close. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Cowboys win. We've heard a lot from Jerry Jones this past week. It feels like a must-win for the Cowboys, and it feels like um, Jason Garrett might actually be coaching for his job down the stretch here. So I, I was surprised that the Cowboys were six-and-a-half-point favorites, though, against Seems the 7-3 and, and Bills team. 
I think the Cowboys win, but I think the Bills cover. And then last one here, Saints at Atlanta. The Falcons are six and a half point underdogs at home. I'm taking the Saints in this one. That's not a hot take by any means. I think this one is also one that could come down to the wire as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I got the Saints. I think the Saints aren't going to lose to this struggling Atlanta team twice in one season, even if this one is uh, in Mercedes-Benz. But yeah, I got the Saints. It's a six and a half point spread. I think the Falcons do cover that spread. I think it's closer um, than Vegas expects, uh, but it's hard to pick against the Saints in this one. Now let's talk about, you know, moving away from fantasy here, let's talk about some of the biggest takeaways for some of these teams from week 12. We saw a lot of really, really fun and exciting games this last weekend. And the first one I want to talk about here is that Sunday night game, the 49ers beating the brakes off the 8-2 and two Packers. Uh, well, I guess now they're, what, 8-3. and three. You know, what is the implication both for the Niners and the Packers based off of this game? I mean, what more can you say about the Niners? Can't wait. We'll talk about this game in a second. They play the Ravens in week 13. That's going to be really exciting. But is the Packers season over? Yeah, this one was tough for the Packers. And I think it was a real wake-up call for how they're going to be able to contend in the NFC. I think they were rolling a little bit and thinking that all was well. And now they came up against this powerhouse 49ers team and got absolutely destroyed. So I think um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, we've seen – you know, Rodgers time and time again have tough losses in the regular season with pretty good rosters and come back strong in the playoffs. So, you know, sometimes you say you need to, to actually lose a game in the regular season as a wake-up call. I think this was their wake-up call, and they're not going to get another chance in the playoffs if, if they come into, um, into San Francisco and, and play like that. So, you know, I think the Packers will be fine. It's tough to bet against them with, with Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback there. Uh, but, but yeah, the Niners have established absolute dominance, and they're pulling away in the NFC as the clear favorite. Yeah, the final score in that game was 37-8. to eight. Yeah, Absolutely beat them down. That was also another game, too, where you know Matt LaFleur, first-time head coach, he's kind of the little brother, kind of little brother, big brother to Shanahan. They're kind of running the same system. And we, we, I think we should have seen this one coming, honestly, based on, on the coaching and the knowledge of the play calling. Certainly didn't expect uh, Rodgers not to be able to bring them back, at least just, just with his arm alone. So let's talk about another one here. Going back to the Saints, they barely beat the Carolina Panthers at home. It was a walk-off 33-yard field goal from Will Lutz. Final score there, 34-31. to We talked about some of the players from that game. DJ Moore had a great game. Uh, Saints out of the ball. Everybody it played pretty well. Um, Latavius Murray got into the end zone. Kind of turned into a shootout. What is the implication here for the Saints? Was this just a tough division game that just came down to the wire like it always does? Or is there something more? Should we be worried about the Saints here? Uh, what do you think, Alex? You know, I'm not too worried about the Saints in the long term just because of the Marshawn Lattimore injury. He's questionable to play this week. He practiced, or he practiced in a limited capacity uh, this week. So we've seen this team give up a lot more points since he's been out. So, you know, I think when Marshawn Lattimore is on that defense, he, he's a real game changer. And this is a team that was able to withstand the storm on offense of losing Kamara for a few weeks and losing breeze for a few weeks and they were dominant early on in the season uh the last three weeks they barely squeaked by the panthers like you said they beat tampa bay and they got wrecked by the falcons like we talked about earlier so they play atlanta this week they they play the 49ers the week after and then the colts the week after that so they're gonna have some real tests coming up here i, I think in the 
you know, for their long-term outlook, they're going to be fine. Uh, it would be nice for them to get home field advantage to the playoffs. doesn't look like that's going to happen. They are only one game back, though. So if they're able to beat Atlanta this week and then they're at home against the 49ers next week, if they can win that game, Oof. they're actually going to be in the driver's seat for home field advantage in the NFC. If that happens, you know, some things might shift. I have no reason to believe that the 49ers are going to lose to the Saints. But if Lattimore's back... Breeze and Kamara are healthy. We know what Michael Thomas has been doing this year on pace for that single-season reception record. Uh, you know, I think the Saints will be fine. No no need to panic just yet. Yeah, and a tough loss there for the Panthers. Um, now they're, I believe, 5-6 and six on the outside looking in. They're going to have to fight hard to, to win their way back in. Let's talk about another game here. We saw the Eagles absolutely crumble at home to Seattle. You know, yes, we, we, want, we thought Seattle was going to win this one. Seattle's been great. They're 9-2. But now the Eagles are five and six. I think this was kind of a game for them. I think it was a wake-up call, but I'm not sure there's that much they can do about it. Their defense is healthy, and they still got exposed. Uh, Wentz played a terrible game. What's the implication here? Uh, I don't think we need to talk about Seattle too much, but for the Eagles. The Eagles have have really improved dramatically on defense. Their defense was their pass defense, especially, was a laughing stock to start out the season. They've gotten a little bit healthier. They've pulled it together. They're playing a lot better. They only gave up 17 points in this game. But you look at the Eagles roster. Deshaun Jackson's on IR. Nelson Aguilar missed this game. Alshon Jeffrey's been struggling with injury. Wentz himself is banged up. Jordan Howard is out. So if you're Carson Wentz, yeah, you've been struggling. But you don't have anyone to throw the ball to. He threw it to Zach Ertz 14 times in this game. (laughs) Ertz caught 12 of them uh, for 91 yards and a touchdown. And outside of that, you're throwing it to... J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard, who had set. I mean, look at the tight ends. His tight ends were targeted 22 times in this game, had 19 receptions. So what does that tell you about the Eagles? They don't have anyone running down the field. Wentz had no one to throw to, you know, beyond five yards. So I I think if they can get healthy, they might have a chance. Um, But, you know, they're going to have to get Alshon back on the field and get Aguilar back on the field to make that happen. So, I, I mean, I mean, I really think they, they have a good shot in this division. They have a, a very easy schedule over the next three weeks. They play the Dolphins this week and then the Giants and then the Redskins. So if they can pull out those three games like they should and use that time to also get some playmakers back out on the field, I think they could steal this division away from Dallas and have a shot in the playoffs. We know they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, so they've been there before. Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. But this one comes down to the health of the offensive playmakers, in my opinion. Yeah, this is this this whole division is going to crescendo in Week 16 when Dallas comes into Philly uh, you know, to play for that division. And and the Cowboys don't really have an easy schedule rest of the way. They play Buffalo this week. Then they go to Chicago. They play the Rams. I don't know if that game's you know, scary anymore. I, I'm going to say that, that it is. Um, and then Philly, like we said. So, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one. This is The, the NFC East is, is heating up a little bit. Um, hopefully that, you know, for the Eagles fans, they can get healthy and, and turn the ship around. Now, another game I want to talk about, Maybe we're reading into this too much, and selfishly, this is a homer homer topic. The Browns beat Miami. They're looking good. Oh my. Baker was the start of the week. I know I'm biased as a Browns fan, but Alex, I want to ask you this straight up. Are the Browns playoff contenders? What are their playoff chances? They're absolutely playoff contenders. Yes. So ESPN does a kind of a playoff tracker each year where they – 
post and you get to pick which teams you think are going to win from now through the end of the season. It automatically populates the playoff scenarios based on who you pick for each game. I filled that out today, just just super um, honest and candid each game, just kind of you know top of mind, not reading too much into it because it's five weeks worth of games. But the Browns, I, they, I had them finishing at nine and seven. They didn't make my playoffs, but they were one game away. And my wild card teams were the Colts and the Bills. So look, I had them at 10 and six. And looking at the Colts and the Bills, they could easily drop an extra game than I had them dropping. And if they do, I think the Browns are right there and they're going to sneak in the playoffs. The Browns have an incredibly easy schedule coming up. They play the Steelers this week and then the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Ravens, and then the Bengals again. So there's really no reason they shouldn't go four and one. Uh, the Steelers game definitely isn't a gimme. They got Duck Hodges playing quarterback this week. Quack, might, quack. <laughs> might, might be some drama. I mean, with Mason Rudolph uh, and Miles Garrett, I think. I mean, this game's in Pittsburgh, so I imagine the Browns aren't going to get too warm of a welcome. But there's no reason they shouldn't go 4-1. and one. They're on a three-game win streak. We talked about Baker earlier. He's hot. Odell's making plays. Kareem Hunt's back. I think there's a very realistic chance. If they're able to win all five, they're in, in my opinion. Yeah. The, Ra- the Ravens is going to be a tough one. They're a look, freight train right now, but I-, I think there's a very realistic shot. I think they're going to have an o- opportunity to do it. They might need a little bit of help, but they're in position to make a run here. Well, look, they they play that Ravens at home in Week 16. That's going to be another big matchup there. And, you know, one of the few losses for the Ravens this year was when the Browns went into Baltimore and beat them down like 43-27, to 27, I think was the final score in that game. So I don't know. I'm not going to read into that. But I think it's going to be close here. I hope they can make the playoffs. I'd love to see them there, obviously, as a fan. Um, but I think America would too. The Browns are kind of the laughing stock of the season uh, coming in. They had really, really tough matchups at the beginning of the year. Uh, Tennessee, Baltimore, San Francisco, New England, Denver, some of these really tough games. And and now I think we're seeing things open up. The game's slowing down a little bit for Baker. We see some rapport starting to build with Odell. They hit a deep shot against Miami. I know it's Miami, but um, the big, the Browns got to be feeling good right now. Uh, I think they can make the playoffs, uh, but I don't think they will with the Ravens playing the way that they are. And it's going to be really interesting this week when the 49ers go into Baltimore. It's a question of what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, because that's what we've got here. The Ravens are scoring the most points per game in the NFL. They're scoring 35 points a game. And the 49ers are allowing the fewest yards per game, only 248. This one's going to be awesome. I think this could be a Super Bowl preview. It would be a... It would be a Super Bowl rematch of just a few years ago when we had the Harbaugh Bowl uh, when oh, the yeah. 49ers and Ravens played. The Ravens are six-point favorites in this one, which is shocking. A 46.5-point over-under. And, it, you know, it's it's going to be a good one. The Ravens are running the ball incredibly well. We know what Lamar Jackson's doing with his legs. Ingram's running it well. Gus Edwards is running it well. They're first in the NFL in rushing yards per game with 210 yards a game. The 49ers are actually second in rush yards per game, but they're 55 yards behind. So I think there's going to be a lot of running in this one. Uh, look for Lamar Jackson to make some awesome plays against the 49ers D. Uh, I mean, he's no Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is also no Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And I think all of America and, quite frankly, all NFL fans around the world are going to be tuned into this one. 
Yeah, and it's a 45.5-point over-under. I think there will be uh, some decent scoring in this game as well. I think the difference maker here, though, that, that makes me pick the Ravens, well, I certainly don't think they're going to win by six points. Lamar Jackson has to be the X factor. What more can we say about him? We've talked about him on every podcast that we've had. Go listen to some of, some of those other episodes. We're talking about his MVP pace, and this was before they just beat the brakes off the Rams. Uh, I think that that's the difference maker here. And then plus, it's at Baltimore. Niners, they, they've seen some scares against the Cardinals. Um, got upset by the Seahawks. I think that happens again here with the Ravens. They just have so much steam right now. Yeah, looking at the Ravens' past five games, they won in Seattle by 14. They beat the Patriots at home by 17. Wow. They won at Cincinnati by 36. They won at home against the Texans by 34. And they just beat the Rams in L.A. by 39. You know, four of those five teams are no joke. And they're winning these games by several touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has actually sat the fourth quarter of a lot of games this season, and he's still putting up the best numbers in the league. So. And I'm, I'm going to put a hot take out there. I think they do it again. I think they beat wow. the brakes off the Niners. Yes, we're going to see it. I, I'm I'm fully sold. I think this is going to be another one where they end up sitting Lamar at the end. I'm shooting my shot right now. I, I love the Ravens. Part of me hopes that doesn't happen. It, it's been really fun to watch the Ravens this year, but we haven't really gotten a lot of these wire wire-to-wire game. So it's going to be... I mean, I really want to see this one come down to the wire and see what Lamar can do in crunch time. We haven't really gotten to see him do that this season. Um, So that's what I'm looking for. I think it's going to be a close game. I think that the 49ers are going to cover the six-point spread. But as always, I'm picking the Ravens to win. So let's talk about another game that we're looking forward to in Week 13. Uh, One that we talked about, highest over-under. Should be a relatively high-scoring game, shootout. Raiders at Chiefs. I don't think we need to break that one down anymore. Um, but any thoughts on that game? I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, a, going to be a good divisional matchup, but I do have the Chiefs taking this one. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to see how the Raiders bounce back from the tough loss last week. It was so bizarre. This one is in Arrowhead, so it's, it's not going to be any easy task. But if the Raiders win this one, they've got the Titans, Jaguars, Chargers, and Broncos to finish out the season. None of those games necessarily scare you too much. So if the Raiders win this one and they tie up the Chiefs in that division, I think the Raiders could actually win the AFC West. So this is make or break for Oakland. We've we've talked about several games earlier this season where we said, hey, this game, if the Raiders win, they're going to be headed one direction. If they lose, they're headed in another direction. I think this is another game where they're kind of at this crossroads. They They were really hot. Uh, winning three in a row against the Lions, Chargers, and Bengals. Then they went and got just crushed by the Jets. So I think they're kind of asking themselves some questions about their their identity and whether they're a playoff team or just a pretender. And I think they're going to find out on Sunday. Yeah, that that game, we're going to see if, if they're, you know, they're one game behind the Chiefs. That Jets game might be the deciding factor when it's all said and done. Sure would be a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so another one that uh, I'm looking forward to is Patriots- at Texans. The Texans are three-point underdogs at home against the Pats. It's a relatively low-scoring game, 44.5 point over-under. And this is another one, I think, kind of like when an unstoppable force hits an immovable object, but I think what we saw the Ravens do to the Texans kind of laid the blueprint for how to stop them. Um, We know a Belichick-led defense is going to be very tough to top. And I'm excited to see how the Texans respond. 
I'm excited to see how they're going to respond at home. Will Fuller is back and healthy. They're firing at all cylinders. They look great against the Colts. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think this one could be very, very interesting. Um, I'll probably take the under, actually, on that, that over-under there. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to win this one, and I think they're going to win ugly. They've won ugly the past several weeks. It was a really tough one against Dallas this past week in the in the nasty weather. They beat the Eagles 17-10 to 10 the week prior. So I have the Patriots to win this one. I think their defense is just going to be a little bit too good. The offensive line for Houston has looked a bit weak, and their defense has really struggled. Uh, and then losing J.J. Watt definitely didn't help that defense. So I think Brady and Belichick are going to be able to hang just enough points on the Texans to go down into Houston and beat them. And... It's not going to be easy for the Patriots, but I think it's it's a potential for a bounce-back game for that offense. We see Brady is incredibly frustrated. You have to imagine at some point between now and the playoffs, they're going to get it together on offense. I think this could be that week. Yeah, there's always like that time of the year, that month, every season where we're like, oh, the Patriots are washed, and then they win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Any others that you're looking forward to in Week 13, Alex? Yeah, there's one more on my radar specifically, and it's the Vikings at the Seahawks. This is a matchup between two teams that are really solid record-wise, but neither are leading their division in the NFC. The NFC is just so top-heavy, it's unbelievable. So the Packers are winning the NFC North at 8-3. and three. The Vikings are actually tied with them at 8-3, and three, but they're losing the tiebreaker. And then in the NFC West... We have the Seahawks at nine and two, and the Niners are ten and one. So both of these teams are currently second in their division, but they're really one week away from moving not only into the number one spot in their division, but into the number one playoff seed. So you look at the NFC, and you've got the Niners at ten and one, the Saints at nine and two, the Seahawks at nine and two, the Packers at eight and three, and the Vikings at eight and three. So any of these teams could really pull out home field advantage for the NFC, and I think this Seahawks Vikings game is really going to determine um, whether the the Seahawks or Vikings have a shot to win their respective divisions. It's it's a 50-point over-under, so we're expecting some points in this one. The Seahawks are favored by three. It is in Seattle. Um, so, Steph, give me your thoughts on this game. Who do you have to win it? This one is really tough. Ah, man, I actually don't know. As I'm going through this, I really don't know who to pick. Who, who do you think? I've got the Seahawks in this one only because the Vikings have lost three games this year and they were all on the road. They lost to the Bears on the road, the Packers on the road, and they lost to the Chiefs on the road. And so I think being in Seattle, the Vikings are going to struggle a little bit. They they have they've really they're really good at home, but uh, it, it seems like they can't quite get their away games together. So I think that's just the edge that Seattle needs. That twelfth man is going to be enough to rattle the Vikings and throw them off their game. I think Seattle's going to win it. I think it's going to be close. Um, But I I think Seattle takes this one, and the Vikings still are going to be in a great position to get into the wild card. But um, Seattle, I think, is a real contender in the NFC. Yeah, and while you were talking just then, I went and looked to see what time that game was. And it's on Monday night at 8.15. And now that I see that, uh, I'm changing my opinion. We, We know Kirk Cousins chokes in prime time and (laughs) honestly like that changes the whole perception i know maybe it's superstitious whatever but i'm actually going to change my opinion here i'm going to say seattle takes this one and honestly they could get the the brakes beat off of them i know i kind of flipped my whole take there but prime time Kirk cousins man 
I hope Goodell is listening to this. I think he needs to give the people not what they want, but what they need. And that is a Kirk Cousins versus Andy Dalton primetime football <laughs> game. Someone has to come out on top. I guess they don't. But, I mean, I think that at streaming defenses, talk about streaming defenses, light them up. Light up Bengals D, light up Vikings D if that one ever happens. So that's it for Episode 5, Week 13. So pumped up for this, this season. And tomorrow we got three games, so we're starting early. Get ready for a fun day of football. You know, make sure you get all, all that turkey, uh, all your stuffing, all your mashed potatoes. Get a nice full belly and sit back. Get ready to watch some nice, uh, some good football. There's three, I think, pretty good matchups. I think they could all be very close games. Uh, Alex, anything to let the people know before we sign off? Yeah, one last thing. If you've got a guy in your lineup with Cook in their name, I know we got Dalvin Cook, Brandon Cooks, Jared Cook. It is Thanksgiving weekend, so got a weird superstitious feeling. Those guys could have big games, but... Yeah, it's been fun today. Uh, I know we're thankful for football on Thursday. It's going to be an awesome day. Get three games a little bit early. So everyone enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend uh, from the guys here at Double Move Sports. And we'll see you next time.